Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got Jameson Maxwell, Tylee, as always. The Oklahoma Sooners have suffered their first defeat in the Brent Venables era, taking being taken down by the uh, Kansas State Wildcats. If you like, it stopped me if y'all have heard this before. K State upsets OU and Norman uh, by a score of 41 to 34. Um, Adrian Martinez uh, did was not contained. Had an absolutely incredible game. And uh, ultimately, a litany of issues just kind of came up to light. And I think it's clear this team, you know, they, they aren't ready yet, which we should have known. Our hype probably got a little too out of control here. But um, nevertheless, the Sooners are three and one. And uh, Jameson, I, I, I got to ask, like, what are your what, what was your first reaction to, you know, this game? What were your emotions like as the whole process kind of went on? And, you know, it. Is this team we overhyped them, right? Yeah, it's um here's the thing. Yes, we overhyped them. We we played the game where we were really happy and we were, you know, eating into all of the positive vibes because duh, we things were looking up. That's what normal people do. Um, but I'm tired of this now reverting back to the what did you expect crowd? This is a new coaching staff. They still have a lot to learn. They've only been here for less than a year, and they're still trying to implement their system, still trying to learn. I understand that, but we are a more talented team than K-State. We have more talented coaches than Kansas State, and we have better resources to become a better football program than Kansas State. There's no excuse to why we lost this game. Stop trying to find reasons for it. We got outplayed and outcoached and just all across the board. So don't say it's because, you know, it's this new coaching staff and this new system. No, we just got outplayed. It's as simple as that. Uh, I agree. It's Oklahoma absolutely did get outplayed. They got flat out beat. Um, Oh shoot. Uh, It still says Kent state here. Hold on. Let me, let me fix that. Let me, let me get the brand going. Uh, Oh, Oh no. Okay. Now it just says Kent state. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. All right. This is a stupid bit. Let's move on. Uh, anyways, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think here's, I, I think there are two sides to that coin and I'll get to it whenever, um, after I, you know, kind of kick it to Ty here, Ty, uh, your thoughts watching the game and, uh, really, I don't know what the hell happened. What, 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 what emotionally, what are you feeling? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for introducing me, Bobby. I have a prepared a statement. In fact, uh, for this occasion. I will be reading that statement now. I guess that, that wasn't clear with context clues. Friends, Sooners, sports fans, lend me your ears. I come here to bury this loss, not to praise it. The losses that teams do live after them. The good performances are often turned with their losses. So let it be with OU. The noble Jameson hath told you Dylan Gabriel was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault. And grievously hath Dylan Gabriel answered it. Here, under leave of our quarterback and the rest. For Dylan Gabriel is an honorable man. So are the players all, all honorable men. Come I to speak in OU's funeral. OU is my team, faithful and just to the fans. But Bobby hath said that OU was ambitious. And Bobby (laughs) is occasionally an honorable man. (laughs) Eric Gray hath brought many tutties home to Norman. Whose wind columns did the players' performances fill? Did this in OU seem ambitious? When that the players have cried, Venables hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Venables, he was ambitious, and Venables is an honorable man. 
you all did see that in the game. Play calling thrice presented OU a touchdown scoring drive, which the players did thrice squander with false starts. Was this ambition? Yet Drake Stoops says he was open. And sure, he was open. And he was missed by an honorable man. I speak not to disprove of how OU performed, but I'm here to speak what I do know. You all did love OU once, and not without cause. What cause withholds you then to mourn while still holding hope? O judgment, thou art fled to brutish peace, and men have lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin here with OU, and I must pause till hope come back to me. Oh, hey. Just one cut to get to the end. Oh, God. I hate ESPN. <laughs> What's that? Bit? I hate ESPN so much. <laughs> I hate ESPN. It just starts playing... I hate the autoplay. It always bites me. I'm sorry, but I, I, I didn't mean to take this tie. Great bit. That was a, an incredible speech. <laughs> the oh, my God. Legitimately ESPN. What is that from, Ty? Uh, I think it's from The Office. Is it oh, really? Yeah. No, it's from, it's, from, it's from Shakespeare's Caesar. <laughs> you would know that if you went to, if you went to a good school. You would have known that. Never read that book because that was for the non-honors English class to read. The honors English class read something different. I don't know. I was in AP, well, so I don't, well, okay, I don't know no, what the honors let's, kids were doing. Let's, let's, oh get, let's get okay, back, yeah, honestly. Let's get but, back but here's on the it. Thing. I, I but, think that the one, but one big thing that we have to say, it, um, Bobby, is excuses. Do you have any you know takes on that and like kind of you know reasoning out this loss? I think there's a difference between excuses and realigning you know, what our expectations are for this team. I, I think because you're right. I, I think, I think the way Oklahoma played was unacceptable, particularly on the defensive end. I thought um, there was a lot of issues in terms of, um, you know, inability to tackle, just, just scrambling. They did not look right. Uh, and then, you know, discipline in terms of too many dumb penalties, you know, Ty mentioned it in his Shakespeare uh, quote, the the false starts, the, the, the drive killing penalties, uh, we're brutal. Uh, I feel like Gabriel obviously had his issues, but not. Um, we'll, we'll get to everything. But I, I feel like excuses. There's there's a line between excuses and just a re-understanding of what this team is. Because you're right, they're more talented than Kansas State. They should have beat Kansas State. But at the same time, I, I think we have to understand that you know, on our end, I think we are overhyping this. I think on our end, we got too excited. If you look back at what we were saying, like right when you know, Venables and uh, all the, that Lincoln Riley BS happened in, you know, December, November, you know, we, we, we knew that it would, that, that would take some time. And instead we got hyped up the whole off season, which there's still a lot of, there's still a lot of optimism. It's still a good team. I, I think and it will end up being a good team, but I think to think that there wouldn't be trip ups, there wouldn't be mistakes. There wouldn't be bad performances like this. Uh, it was kind of foolish on our end. At the same time, it doesn't mean that this is an acceptable loss. This is not an acceptable loss. This is a game that Oklahoma should have won. It is Kansas State outplayed OU, for the record. I'm not saying that OU was robbed by any means. Uh, Kansas State, well-deserved win. They were the better team on pretty much every front. Um, but at the same time, they should not – in no world should Oklahoma allow Kansas State to be the better team. And it keeps happening. And it's very frustrating. And I think that um, – it is an unacceptable loss. I fully agree with that. But at the same time, I feel like understanding that those unacceptable losses, that they're not there yet where they can't, that isn't 
feasible for them to drop that. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes sense. It's tough because they like give reasoning behind excuses. Um, there's a fine line there, but it's, think, it's just what? my thing. I what? I, no, I don't I'm think that's an excuse. Okay, cool. cool. I was just saying I don't think that's no. that I'm, I'm I'm not excusing their like play really. No, it's just like, no. I think I think you said it well. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I my, my, you. My, my thing is, and we know this with OU fans. It's we're very, very hot and cold. It's whenever we're, you know, up, we're extremely up. But whenever we're down, we're very, very down. And it seems like the whole, like, you know, whole verbiage and all of the, you know, the talk is just turned to complete, like, oh, you, what did we expect from them? We should have known this from the beginning. Captain Hindsight, this team was not even set up for success. Our, our ceiling we always knew was never a playoffs um appearance we should have known that. like come on what their ceiling is still a playoffs this season like are you kidding me like i understand K- kansas state's a good team but we've seen it so far this season the big 12 is not as stout and does not have giants there to the point where if you don't think ou could run through the big 12 this season in a different you know universe and make the playoffs that's just silly we didn't end up getting it in this universe, but that was absolutely a ceiling for us. Don't play Captain Hindsight that now that we lost our first Big 12 game and we got outplayed through and through, and there wasn't a point in this game where I thought OU was the better team, now you think that, oh, we should have known from the beginning. I just think that's silly. I, I'm just tired of people being like that. You- Ty, what do you think? What do you think, Ty? But uh, I apologize, viewers and listeners. Bobby was on mute uh, again. We are occasionally, Jeez, accidentally sorry. muting ourselves throughout the season in uh, memory of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, yes, but uh, yes, that was yeah. So that was I, not a mistake. That was just that was why. Yeah, it's it was a bit. It's on purpose. Everything we do on purpose. Uh, but I I sort of disagree with Jameson here. I so I agree that OU fans generally are very. I don't want to say fair weather fans because last time we really had a bad time uh, was, I guess, before I was alive or I guess we were all sort of infants in the pre-Bob Stoops era. But it, we do tend to be very harsh when things go bad, which, you know, you can't control any, anything as a fan, which is probably not necessarily that healthy uh, to do because it's it's not good to stress about things sort of outside of your control. But I, I do think that it's not unrealistic or it's not incorrect to say, Hey, you know, maybe we needed to temper these expectations. And I think that if you really think about it, uh, Jameson would sort of agree with me here. Like, I think, I don't know if it was last podcast or the one before, but Bobby started going off on a little, I'm feeling the playoffs thing. And both of us were like, Hey, I don't know about that. Uh, And I, I do think it's, you know, this is our first taste of a real opponent opening conference play. And, K-State obviously is, is not an amazing team, but they are no slouch, sort of. They're, say they're like the Big 12's uh, Arkansas equivalent, or or so to speak, you know, a, a sort of a chippy team that can maybe give you some troubles, but probably isn't at the top. But uh, I, I do think, you know, realistic expectation. No one in their right mind was expecting this team to go undefeated. And if you go look at a lot of people's previews, a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, they'll probably beat OSU in Texas, but they'll probably have a loss or two in conference. And a lot of people weren't able to to sort of tie that to a specific team uh, because you never really want to do that in the sports broadcasting space because you, you never want hard, factual takes that people can point to and and will get you fired. you got to keep things uh, with the broad brush and, 
with generals. Otherwise, you're you're Desmond Howard on game day saying AM's gonna win the national championship. <laughs> uh, Wolf and Pittsburgh or, in the or you're just anyone. Yeah, or you're just you're just anyone on college game day saying things like <laughs> SEC teams won't win the SEC championship or, or something like that. But uh yeah, I, I'm not I, I'm really truly not that upset. And I'm not trying to do a bit. I'm I'm not worried about it. I don't think it's a crushing defeat it's not a defeat that is going to really be held against us recruiting wise if anything it kind of helps us that we've been losing to them a lot lately uh because we, we can have sort of a boy who cried wolf situation uh where it, we've just sort of desensitized everyone to this fact that we're probably going to drop some to k-state so i'm, I'm not too concerned I, I don't think it was a morale crushing defeat and i still think it was a tremendous learning experience i'm not one of those this team needed to lose to be humbled or whatever else that was certainly not this no, team this stupid. year no, or this staff yeah. that is i think a goofy take but um i don't think we needed this i would have preferred a win but i think brent venable said something similar and uh along the lines of i completely forgot what i was going to say or what he said but i i agree <laughs> with the thing that he said sure <laughs> fair enough and you know I, I i think the people who are saying oh season's over it's all ruined like one Oh, you can still win the Big 12. Uh, so no. And two, I, I feel like looking at OU football specifically and just college football in general, if you're not an Alabama or, or a Georgia fan or even kind of Ohio State, looking at it as do we win the natty or do we not win the natty d- determines your happiness with the sport, I feel like is just kind of a little not a great way to look at it. Uh, this this team was always about building blocks. It was always about progression. And while I do think they're very good and can still accomplish a lot of goals, um, you know, college football does look pretty shaky across the board. You know, they could have a miracle run. Who knows? Uh, I'm not putting my hopes. I'm not putting my hopes in that basket. What I want to see is progression, improvement. um, And that's been what they've been preaching since the get go is that this is team 128 that we have a long way to go. We're 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 building something special, but that's just probably not going to happen this year. and yeah, like a lot of people said, probably, uh, you know, to kind of cope with it, you know, look at what happens on Wednesday, probably uh, things, things could get pretty good for OU pretty quick, but um, this year, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it's, it's um, we're not, we're not, we're not at the finish line just yet. Mm, yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of things to take from this game. Let's kind of dive into it. And I think it's, we'd be remiss not to talk about the defense first. Um, I'll have my thoughts on Dylan Gabriel and Levy's scheme um, when we talk about the offense, but um, they weren't the reason we lost. It's the defense. And this is a team we were talking about the whole season about great with sacks, you know, one of the top five teams in tackles for losses. And today and on Saturday, they got four tackle for losses only from defensive linemen. The linebackers did not play well at all in stopping any gaps and talk about QB spies. Uh, We let Adrian Martinez beat us. And to kind of, you know, backtrack on my statement last week in the Kansas State preview, I said the way to beat Kansas State is to make, you know, Adrian Martinez beat you. Shut down Deuce Vaughn as much as you can and then let Adrian Martinez go out and make plays. Adrian Martinez made plays. He stepped up and he played one of the best games of his career. And you got to give it to him for that. But we didn't adjust enough throughout the game to um, adjust to his play. Um, Deshaun White playing essentially free safety as a QB spy is not a QB spy. That ain't it. No, you're totally right. It's um, whatever strategy they have containing him, awful. Uh, 
tw- 21 carries, 148 yards, obviously had that back-breaking 56-yard scramble on a third and 16. Uh, that that was uh, completely unacceptable. Um, it was brutal. It was brutal. Um, and that's the thing is he, he did it through the air as well. 21 for 34 uh, with 234 yards, um, average 6.9. I, I mean, he, he averaged about seven yards per play uh, receiving or passing. That is um, that's not how you beat Kansas state. That's not how that, that's not how it looks. And, you know, a lot of what we heard be- you know, before this was how timid he looked against Tulane and in previous performances, that was not a timid player whatsoever. He absolutely torched us. Um, and it, it's kind of a problem when you clearly have, you know, the guy to stop, stop him. Everything else works. And they failed so utterly miserably at at doing that. Hey, everybody, it's Bobby Howard. And before we start the show, I just kind of want to talk to you all for a second. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of college football preview podcasts. And, you know, it's it's really been great. It's gotten me hyped for the season. And one reason it's been great to listen to is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. You know, I really like the versatility of Raycons. If you're really wanting to lock in, really just immerse yourself in what you're doing, that is where the noise isolation feature comes in. Just block everything out. It's great. But you know what? Sometimes you can't just, you know, shell yourself off. So that's where you go to awareness mode, where you can have some audio come in. You can do errands. You can act like a normal human being and uh, still listen to what you want. So I feel like that's actually pretty great. The Raycons really are great, though, whenever I'm not editing the podcast. Just kick back, listen to some red dirt. Feels like you're right in the middle of Kane's ballroom. It's great. I love it. So, look, if you want to be like me, jump on the Raycon train. Go to buyraycon.com TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com TPPN to score 15% off. One more time, that is buyraycon.com slash TPPN. Use promo code TPPN15. That's TPPN15. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Okay. Yeah, I think really it, it sort of bleeds into both sides of the ball for both teams, but uh, fundamentally, 
look at the team that was able to establish the run the entire game. They're the ones that won it. They're the ones that that carried the day. I almost feel like looking at the stat lines, you know, the OU performance doesn't necessarily look too bad until again you start to look at at certain linebacker stats and then things like sacks and whatnot. But a lot of our stats don't necessarily look that bad and they don't necessarily look any different. In fact, a lot of our stats, if you're looking at individual player stats, if you were to look at both teams, individual player stats, you know, minus touchdown scored, obviously uh, you would maybe even think that, OU had won. And, And one of the big differences in this game was we were able to string some stuff together pretty consistently, but K-State had the big plays and the big performances, the big talent came out, the big, uh, you know, important stuff happened when it needed to happen, whereas on the OU side of the ball, when we needed to make things happen offensively and defensively, it just did not, we could not make it happen, unfortunately. We had a lot of guys, a lot of talent out on the field that had really, really good games, uh, just subjectively speaking. If you're just looking at one guy's tape, uh, there's a lot of guys that had really good. I think uh, Eric Gray, for one, had a very, very good game and was held back really only by some some play calling and, and some other stuff, putting him in bad situations. He, especially in the second half, had a, a very, very good second half for the way that he's employed. But it was just one of those. It's a. It was certainly a learning moment because I don't know that you can really point to one specific thing. Obviously, we're going to dive into I don't some gripes. I disagree on, with this on the offensive side, but I. I well, so let me let me finish. And if you're talking about I, offense, that's different. I, I mean, talking. No, defense, I'm talking about. I feel like there's yeah, a huge no, thing so, we can point at. Uh, yeah, but I'm, I I think in in total. So I, I sort of mentioned it at the start. I think that I was going to bleed into, into both sides a little bit, but it the play calling as a whole, I don't think was as bad as a lot of people think, and and uh, a lot of the individual performances were there were admittedly some pretty pretty not that great individual performances, but it certainly wasn't a case where the entire team was having an off day. There were a lot of guys that had really good games. There were a lot of guys that had uh, average games that I guess maybe could have helped us if they had had above average ones. But I I don't think necessarily anyone had a bad, bad game individually. And and I I don't necessarily blame our play calling as much as others. Justin Broyles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Oh yeah. So he was, yeah, but he was sort of below his base. David Uguaybu played really poor, in my opinion, even though he was our leading tackler, he was absolutely atrocious in coverage and in the open field. One thing that I'd said from the beginning of the season, why I didn't like him as much in that middle linebacker spot that people take advantage of him in coverage. He is not a middle linebacker by trade. We recruited him as like an edge rusher and he was converted. He gets torched in the open field and they abused him. They abused him this game. And I think you can point to one thing in our stats, if you're looking just straight at the box score of what happened this game differently from the past, we had no sacks. We had zero sacks versus a mobile quarterback. Mobile quarterbacks, sometimes you get lucky and just get a sack because they move up in the pocket and they're trying to run and we get there before him. We didn't even get any of those sacks. We had four tackle for losses only through the um, defensive line. We had zero turnovers against them. Zero um, fumbles, zero interceptions. If there's any kind of momentum shift in the game, when we're down 14-0 in the first quarter, it's going to be hard to win a game if you're not sacking or getting any turnovers in that game. So, Honestly, good for our offense for sticking it in and keeping in it, keeping us in it until the fourth quarter. But we had no momentum plays at all on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that comes down to 
this defensive line just was was also just not very good uh, today or yesterday. Um, Kansas State's O line and D line both played, I thought, very very well. And I think you know the initial test is both of those both of our lines failed. Um, not one more so than the other, but the the inability to make Adrian Martinez sweat to make him make poor decisions um, absolutely was probably the biggest failure by far. Uh, of the defense and you know it starts uh, i'm with you it starts with that pressure he, he he just he looked like he was he looked like he changed the sliders or something where he just couldn't be tackled it was it was it was absolutely wild mm-hmm. it's what happens whenever you go against two first team all big 12 um projected offensive linemen in the past three games have been two um you know non-power five and then nebraska's offensive line that was bad to begin with and was also hurt like yeah I, it's it's something really to be concerned with with this team moving forward a 100% because uh, in case you didn't see, you know, Jaden Daniels uh, looks great. Uh, your guy at uh, Texas Tech looks great. Yeah, Jalen. Um, yeah. Not Jaden Daniels. Let's Jaylen not talk Daniels. about <laughs> Arizona I'm State um, LSU guy. Uh, much know. different. Jalen Daniels playing like the best quarterback in the nation for sure. Can you can yeah. imagine what he's going to do to our poor defense if we play like we did versus K-State? Yeah, no. And then, you know, even talk about Spencer Sanders as well uh, at Oklahoma State. You know, there are some good running quarterbacks um, in the conference. So, like, Max Duggan this week uh, can kind of, I don't know, he can kind of move around a little bit. So, like, I don't know. There's a lot of concern uh, watching this, I would say. Uh, it's something they need to fix. And, you know, uh, this is going to be a big test to see how this defense responds, what adjustments they can make. And, you know, really what what – what would you do? What, what's the first thing you kind of do to try to fix this? What what can be fixed midseason, you think? What do you think, Ty? Do you have any thoughts on this? I'll let you go. Uh, I don't really know how the transfer portal works. Can people start to play, <laughs> like, immediately in the season? Like, can we get, like, Tanner Mordecai from SMU? Oh, my God. It's, it's, we could get a different okay. quarterback. I it's think not that our offense. It's not Gabriel's fault. No, it is not Gabriel's fault. Mm, I, I can point to like okay. specific. You can point to specific plays though. Like it, you can make like a big like. Oh, the line was bad. I can just point to like Dylan Gabriel wide open Drake Stoops to get us a, a first down conversion and just literally cannot get it within ten yards of a wide open guy with no pressure. Yeah, he he did not have good like accuracy, and we've been saying that since the beginning of the season. He misses yeah. a lot of intermediate throws, like fifteen to twenty yard down the field throws that he should be making. In all honesty. He's, uh, he's really it's, good. It's, like when it's really close, he's really good when he doesn't have to make a progression when it's just like, boom. And then he's it, pretty good for a college quarterback when it comes to the deep ball. I'd say he's, he's certainly in the, the upper percentile in, in deep balls. He, those are sort of toss ups in college, but yeah, it's, it's those mm-hmm. mid range, which is a lot of, I think our, a lot of our playbook, a lot of you go back and look at a lot of Matt Corral stuff at Ole Miss that was a lot of the electric levy offense. So I, I certainly mm-hmm. think that is some sort of serious limiting factor that maybe some, if we could get, you know, like uh, Casey Thompson or someone to come fill in, oh we would be a playoff team. <laughs> do you, you, you want to know that if we're Bo Nix, you, we could win, yes. we could win a Bo playoff Nicks. game with Bo Nix on this team. Do you want, do you want to know why Nicks, I think buddy. the problem with this is? I'll, t- I'll tell y'all jokes aside of what I think a significant problem with his accuracy is that would help. It's levy scheme. I really do. I probably yelled the most throughout the game about Levy's scheme than I th- I didn't think I was going to do that. But what I started to realize in watching this is 
a lot of these plays are not designed for Dylan Gabriel to get outside and make his decision himself. He's not going through reads. He would go back, look at his receiver, Jalil Farouk, right in the eyes the whole play, and then throw it into extreme coverage and not go through his reads and go through the, um, you know, the different receivers. Does Jeff Levy not believe in Dylan Gabriel to make those plays? Because if we have more talent on the offensive line, we have more talent in the wide receiving room versus these teams that we're playing against, we should let our guys go out there and make plays rather than have a scripted offense. I just think it's egregious whenever he thinks that he has to throw to his number one option every single time. There's going to be problems with accuracy because he's not truly, I feel like, throwing to the best option every single play. Yeah. And I think 1982 actually brought up a really good example of that where uh, Stoops was wide open and then he just kind of chucked up a, you know, you know, a prayer up to Mims. Uh, so, no, I, I mean, I think that's a good point. I think there were a lot of moments where he he missed open guys. And no, I yeah, everyone, everyone agrees. He just kind of stares his guy down. And that's something he needs to improve on. And, you know, I think the most troubling thing is. It's not like he's a spring chicken. It's not like he's a he's a freshman still trying to figure it out. This is his what what fourth year in college. Yeah, is this his fault though? Is this Levy making him go like saying like we're going to get it to this guy within this scheme and I believe so much in it? Or is Dylan Gabriel just absolute a laser? You know, just looks at his receivers. Um, me seeing it over and over and over in this game makes me think it's a scheme thing. Ty, you disagree? I don't. So I I disagree, and here's why: because I. I kind of started to have that thought a little bit because I well when we get to the run game a little bit uh, I think I might agree with you more on Levy but I I might be completely misreading it but my read on the situation when it comes to the Levy Dylan Gabriel everything relationship specifically and I'm not trying to do a bit hating on Florida State or Florida State well I'm certainly not trying to do a bit hating on Florida State because it has nothing to do with them uh, Central Florida UCF uh, that's where Dylan Gabriel came from obviously. And we know that Levy was there, but Levy also spent uh, his past year or I guess two years at Ole Miss. And when I look at his scheming and the way his quarterbacks and the way his offenses performed at Ole Miss, and then when I go back and, and look at a little bit of game tape of Dylan Gabriel at UCF, I think that Dylan Gabriel maybe has some bad habits that weren't necessarily reinforced, but never really came up to the surface. They never really you know, popped up to get corrected when he was in admittedly an easier situation for if you're a guy that's good. I think he was one of those guys that uh, was sort of, I think it, it can be compared to a lot of things. He was very successful in high school, has a lot of natural talent, but then went to a situation where he didn't necessarily have to improve or develop that much. And now he's in a situation where he's severely behind the learning curve because he's jumped up and he's trying to do these things that are not the right things to do and have been sort of reinforced by past success, regardless of what you do. Whereas when I look at, you know, like Matt Corral at Ole Miss, when he was in a levy scheme in a much, much more difficult situation in the SEC West, they were not having these problems. It was not a situation where Levy's play call was restricting his, his quarterback. And I think Matt Corral probably is naturally a less talented guy than Dylan Gabriel Ooh, is, but he grew up, okay. but, but he yeah. grew up in it. I'm, I'm talking about when they're coming out of high school. I don't know the recruiting uh, uh, stats and stuff. I don't think, I think Dylan Gabriel was that highly recruited. We'll right? talk about the ceiling. Well, he's from Hawaii, so nobody really goes out there. But um, I don't. So that's cold take. Ignore that one. But I, I really think I don't know that when it comes to the passing game and the quarterback play, 
that you can pin it on Levy because if you look at what Levy was doing last year in a much more difficult situation, uh, there were not a lot of the same problems. It was not a situation where the quarterback was being constrained by the play calling and, and sort of under this iron fist of a, of an offensive coordinator saying, no, you have to do this. The play, it looked like a, a good quarterback making good, smart, you know, decisions in, in a situation that was conducive to his success. And then when I look at Gabriel coming from a, a much easier situation where you didn't have to necessarily be doing the right things to succeed always because they're just such an overmatch in their games. Uh, I, I start to lean towards maybe Dylan Gabriel has some bad habits and he is the limiting factor in that relationship, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't, might Mac, be some people going crazy in the chat disagreeing, but okay. But yeah. Mac so Corral that was, that was, a, that he's, was he's a top, a he was a top, he was a top 100 recruit um, near okay, 0.97. Yeah. Uh, God, my then, take was so bad. Bobby has left. And, and, and yeah, Dylan Gabriel is not that. <laughs> and the thing is, the thing is, Dylan Gabriel. I, I really, we love to talk about that. We love to talk about what can Dylan Gabriel improve as a Sooners quarterback to make this team better because that's what we're conditioned to do as Oklahoma fans. We know that we watch a team that isn't a potent offense that can't bail out a bad defense, and um, we're like, that needs to be fixed. We need to fix our quarterback and his accuracy. We need to fix that scheme. But in all honesty, I just keep wanting to ground this and say that that you know that is not our problem right now. That's not why we didn't win the game. But we have to talk about it as well because that is a room. There's area for improvement there. I think Dylan Gabriel, if he you know shores up his accuracy a little bit better and um, Levy plays and calls a little bit better plays for him and lets him go through his progressions rather than throw it to the first wide receiver, maybe we might see a little bit of an improvement in the offensive game. The past three games, we haven't scored on um, the first drive, and that's not acceptable. It, it really isn't. I think even though uh, I think we got like a first down on the drive um, on Saturday, it was a pretty much a near three and out because it was a 10-yard run from Eric Gray and then three and out. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure the past two ones before that were three and out. Yeah, we need to start talking. It, it, it's officially a thing we need to talk about. Our starts have been awful. Kent State, horrible. 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 Nebraska. Also horrible. Um, you know that it would have been two completely uh, busted offensive uh, possessions if it wasn't for Gabriel's like fifty-six yard run um, against Nebraska. So yeah, no, it's it, it's 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 absolutely a thing now, absolutely an issue, and you know I, I think that lies with preparation. That's the only thing it can lie with, uh, in my opinion, when it comes to screwing up. You know, early possessions. It's about prep. If you can't get, if you can't have a good script ready. If you don't have the guys, uh, you know, energy wise fired up, that is all in the coaching staff. That is, uh, in my opinion, uh, that is an inability to prepare uh, in a proper manner um, where you can be effective early and really set the tone. Um, and the thing is, I don't know if it's energy though, because I feel like just reading body language of these guys coming out, I feel like they're coming out with decent energy. I, I really don't. I, I can't put my finger on it. What exactly is the reason that we're coming out slow? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, and I, again, I think that's for me, the, like when I'm talking about like lack of preparation, I, I think it's just bad play calling. Maybe I, I don't really know. It's, it's, it's weird. Like the execution is off. Maybe they're, maybe they're too excited, honestly. But when we, um, when we talk about time, the sorry. starts, yeah. When we talk about the starts specifically, I think that might legitimately be a play calling thing because it seems like we are very, very, predictable in our starts it almost like i don't it's it's almost inexplicable like it even down to like the very first three plays that we run there's a some slight variances on it but uh we seem very sort of uh 
predictable, almost like intentionally. I don't know. Like it, I, I feel like if you really wanted to give Levy the benefit of the doubt and, and talk about like, Oh, like the, the casuals don't realize it. Like maybe, maybe if we were really, really like turning up the heat after the first drives, uh, you could make maybe some sort of argument that like we run the same scripted predictable thing at the start to see how people react. And we're doing that on purpose to adjust from like a, a known baseline or something. But I, I really don't, I, I don't think it's like lack of preparation or something, but there's, there's certainly something there. And I think it has to do with the play calling. Cause it, you know, a, a staple of all of our opening things have been like these inexplicable, like running into like no gap, like the, even the blocking scheme, if it works perfectly, there's not going to be a gap there. Uh, like weird delayed handoff thing that takes like two seconds to fully develop and always gets us zero yards against everyone. Mm-hmm. Every it's, time it's, we do it, like, it's like this weird, I don't know what it is. Cause sometimes, you know, the blocking doesn't work, but then it's like this exact same play left or right. But sometimes when the blocking is perfect, there's still no gap there. And I don't think it's a line performance thing. I just don't understand mm-hmm. what this play is that we're doing uh, that, that seems to show up all the time, like four or five times a game. Yeah, I feel like we're really trying too hard to create like a game plan of how exactly we want our games to start. Lebby's like, okay, we're going to run the ball. And if this is this scenario, we're going to run the ball and pa- I mean, pass the ball and get it to this receiver. He's trying too hard to scheme it out. I think he's trying to put his hands too much on everything. And I've said this the whole episode, and I'm going to keep on saying it. Um, I don't think he should be putting his hands over every single, you know, uh, the way this the offense is going to be ran. Let the players go out there and make plays. And I feel like we're not going to see that until a little bit, you know, into the second quarter and the late first quarter. Uh, everything doesn't have to be perfect and squeaky clean. Go out and let your your skill guys make skill plays. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's it's really weird looking at these drives, though, because they they didn't have a single double digit drive until that final uh, touchdown. In fact, um, a lot of a lot of just five plays, you know turnover on downs you know four and outs um it's it's really just not it's not good it's not good and i i, I don't know what it is I, I i think i think i think you're right though i think they're too i think it's too micromanagey i don't know mm-hmm. I, I i don't know it's but it the offense it's it's frustrating it really is but i keep having to myself issue. again and i've and i've and i've said i've said it like a million times this podcast, keep telling yourselves, and I say this for all OU fans too, it's not a problem, and it's good enough to get us by right now. Do you guys believe that Brent Venables and, and staff can turn around this defense and get back? I do. I really do. I think that what we saw on Saturday versus K-State, there's a lot of things to be fixed, and I think the linebacking position is probably the biggest thing that we need to t- take our eyes at. And who better of anyone in the nation almost to coach up a linebacking crew and get them in a right position to play a similar quarterback. That's much better in Max Duggan on Saturday than Brent Venables. So I've got my eyes lasered absolutely on David Ukwebu, Deshaun White and Danny Stutzman for coming up in this Saturday. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And I think, I think, it, I think a guy like, like Stutzman could really, really go off. Um, as for a Guaybu, man, I, I don't know the man, the man plays like, when he's doing anything but rushing, it feels like he's playing with like concrete shoes. It, it you know what it doesn't... reminds me of? 
What? It reminds me of, you know, like he plays well in these, you know, regular season games, quote unquote. I'm talking NBA terms here um, where we play lesser opponents and he can go and run over from sideline to sideline and make tackles in the run game, but not really get exposed too much. But once you take him to the playoffs, a.k.a. big time opponents like K-State, they can scheme against him and know his weaknesses and, and put him, you know, out there on an island where he can't turn his hips and move his feet fast enough to, to make good coverage plays in open space. So he's LeBron. Um, and, oh, <laughs> no, <come on>. no, <laughs> no. What he is is he's your typical, he's your typical, you know, NBA player that's really good on offense, but you get played off the court on defense. He's like a can't play canter out there, um, you know. And I don't think he's not. Obviously, we're not going to bench him. He's still very talented. But what what would we do as a backup to him? Because to be honest with you, our inside linebacking depth isn't the biggest depth piece that we have on our team. Would you convert Deshaun White to inside linebacker and see more Jaron Kanick at Cheetah? I would think that would be an option, but we barely even saw, if at all, did he can't, I think Kanna got zero snaps. Is that right? Um, uh, I think I, someone I in the, someone in the chat is mentioning that, I believe. Uh, as Bobby's pulling that up, I will say uh, there were I two. I zero, I zero snaps. Yeah, I, I don't recall the specific plays, but there were two. You guys might remember, someone in the in the chat might remember. There were two uh, very big examples of plays where Deshaun White was in coverage and made very, very good, like looked like a legitimate starting yeah. safety. Um, and, but I think but there were a couple a plays. But there, yeah, there were there were a couple plays where he struggled as well but there was there was one play I, I think it was almost like a near interception where i was like oh my goodness who is that like that was really really good and i was very surprised to see uh that it was deshaun white so certainly our coaching staff have noticed that maybe a little bit watching the game tapes back and it feels like it's like it hurts my head so much like why is deshaun white playing so deep there's so many plays out there where i see him as he's like our deepest free safety and i know he's not playing free safety he's playing that cheetah all over the field look but what do they know that i don't that makes him a good fit in that position. Like, what am I seeing with this that's doing, like, that is a good fit for him on defense? I'm very, very confused with it. I, things just don't make sense for me. I I really think that, uh, to put it sort of in medical terms, maybe a little bit, uh, I think we are very resource-limited skill-wise when it comes to our linebackers. I think we're, we're obviously very depth-limited. I think everyone is aware of that, but we have – we have great talent, but not necessarily great across the board talent. Like we mentioned, we have a, a lot of guys in the defensive side, especially on the linebackers who you can look at and they're sort of like maxed out one stat area, but then they have critical weakness in another. And I think we're dealing with a sort of a triage situation, maybe if you were where we're having to look at how to best we, we don't work. We're, we're starting, you know, off the back foot when you're in a sort of a triage situation, you're already starting to be, overwhelmed perhaps i don't know how it is in, in sort of civilian uh, real world medicine but it, you're starting off the back foot and, and you're starting from a losing position and you're having to to best employ your your resources and your talent where you can to sort of mitigate that that issue and i think when you really look at, at this game and our linebacking core and their their performance and even some of the schemes that were coming down for them uh, the linebackers and then the secondary to to an extent as well you i think you start to see a a situation where we are very clearly limited in a lot of ways and we're having to do our 
this is good, but it's we're doing it because we're in extremists here. It's not what mm-hmm. we would normally do if we had the choice. Deshaun is not the perfect cheetah. I agree with you there. They're definitely going to recruit that position much better whenever we can get those guys two or three years down the line. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. And well, you know, it's yeah. it's definitely a situation where we're kind of having to make do with what we got. And uh yeah, it's a it's a complex scheme. Yeah, it's a complex scheme that they just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not there yet. Go ahead, Ty. I'm the sorry. other, I was going to say, the other thing is we have we have tremendous, tremendous talent, don't get me wrong, on this team and in this coaching staff. But what we don't have is sort of the perfect situation. We don't have the team that this coaching staff has handpicked and recruited and developed. You know, they've been here for, uh, I guess, maybe, le- well, less than six months now or maybe six months, something like that. So we have a situation where we've taken more. a lot of really good talent. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that would have been March. <laughs> well, I went to I went to OU, so math is hard. Uh, but <laughs> we uh, we're in a situation where it's not the the built team. You know, we've taken the the pieces that we have, and and we're making. Uh, I sort of made this analogy the the other day on a previous podcast. We are we're cooking with leftovers, so to speak. Here we have some great steak. We have some great rice from earlier. We have some some maybe fresh chopped pineapples. We have some good veggies. We have a nice fresh chopped onion. A lot of really great talent, a lot of really great ingredients, but not necessarily maybe the ones if we're trying to build a steak dinner that you would have for a steak dinner. So we're having to cook some really good fried rice, but it's not that steak dinner that our, our coaching staff, our chefs and, and cooks are here to, to build. So I, I really like the cooking with leftovers analogy, you can still make a great meal. It's pretty good. Uh, but it's not necessarily, you know, it's it's a great meal. And we have great ingredients, great talent, great players. And we have great chefs, great, great cooks, the coaching staff and the, and the scheme. But, but the it's not going to be, it's not going to be, yeah, but it's not going to be that perfect steak dinner where in a couple years when, when the chef is established in his kitchen and, and knows the, you know, the, the kitchen and knows the implements and, and can go out to the grocery store. And, and get the talent, get the ingredients that he wants to really create that masterpiece. So I, I think that's a sort of a good analogy to, to keep with. We're not cooking with a microwave. You know, we're not cooking no. a TV here like some other schools are doing, like Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame is like my wife left me. I've been surviving on on Bud Light and minute fried rice uh, in the microwave uh, <laughs> with butter sometimes oh, no. to sustain myself. We're not yeah. in that situation. We're making some great steak fried right, rice. They had a good weekend. Uh, so, yeah. so, so, who's who's the random pineapple on this team that has screwed the whole the whole dish up? It has to be well, a person no, that's very polarizing mix, that some people like and some people and like don't. A, I guess chicken fried mm. rice. You would mix in maybe some pineapple. Yeah, I don't. Dylan Gabriel, I guess. The left handed. No. Oh, oh, I just well, say that because he's Hawaiian. Oh, that is. Oh, it's always from Florida. I didn't even think of the Hawaiian thing. (laughs) Uh, Are pineapples even from Hawaii? Is that a thing? I think so. Drake Stoops is the state. I'll tell you that. Drake (laughs) Stoops is the meat of the team. Drake Stoops is like, yeah, he's like that. He's like a choice cut of meat that is about to expire in a day. But you know what? You put some really good seasoning, a little bit of butter on it. Perfect. Drake Stoops is the butter. We'll say that. Yeah. Drake Stoops is the butter. I love it. The butter. Um, <laughs> and uh, back to back to real analysis. <laughs> I know Bobby. Yeah, Bobby no. has his own. Actually, this is a good advertising point for uh, on our our YouTube and I think our Instagram as well. Bobby does some really neat cooking stuff. 
each time we face oh, yeah. an opponent, he cooks one of their meals. I it might be becoming apparent at this point that I have not yet watched one of them, uh, <laughs> and I did not participate in the filming, so I'm not entirely sure what they are. But I know they involve dishes, and I read the titles, and I think, mm, that sounds yummy. I wish I could have gone. Uh, but yeah, that one was a grilled cheese mac and cheese. It was great. It was great. Um, I absolutely lost it when Bobby was about to pull um, his sandwich apart and he was hoping he was getting like the cheese pull with all the strings of cheese and he pulls it apart and there's just no cheese and strings between the sandwich. I absolutely croaked and lost it whenever that happened because you were just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little disappointing. I'm not going to lie. I was I was ready. It's, for ma- it's mac like, and cheese. They so use kind of hard. They use uh, Elmer's glue and food dye. Actually, I saw that on a TikTok that was screen recorded, then posted to YouTube, and then screen recorded, recorded, and then posted to Instagram. Uh, I saw that. that. That's what they use in commercials. They use glue. Gotcha. On like pizza way, commercials and stuff for the cheese. Hawaii is the pineapple capital of the world. By the way, yeah, I, I knew I, 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 it's well, in the Hawaii Ball logo. I should have known. That's that. debatable. Right. I feel like that's contested. Potentially. Yeah, is that we, recognized this... by the UN? <laughs> oh, my God. oh God. Yeah, this is <laughs> since we've kind of gone off the rails, I'll, I'll just I'll just say this. Um does anyone have any last thoughts about this game? I feel like I feel like we hit it all pretty well. Ooh. Um but I, have... uh, I, I think I just want to just say this straight up about the, about this game. It's it's not the end of the world. It isn't. Um we are just fine. I understand OU as fans, and I've said this in the past, we hold ourselves to a very, very high um, standard. And whenever we lose one game, especially in college football, we think that everything's gone down the well. Um, But it's not. It's not. We still have plenty of things that are great in the future of this um, season that we can obtain. We still got the Texas game in front of us. We only have one loss. So anything can happen in this college football atmosphere. So don't try to go too much pessimistic. Keep the optimistic um, side of things and um, enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah, it's it's far from it's far from the worst upset we've had at Kansas State at home, uh, even in the past couple of years. We this this year was exciting. We wanted to see improvement. We thought that we'd see a lot of really cool stuff. And I think we will. I think we'll we'll see improvement on the defense. I think we will see a good offense. I think we will see good football. Markably better than what we thought when we were losing Lincoln Riley last November. But um, no, I, I I think there's still a lot to play for, a lot to watch, and a lot to be excited about because in, in the long term, I, I feel like I feel like there's a process here. And um I wouldn't be too worried yet. Um, you know, this is it's a uh, it's baby steps across the board. This team is better than what it than, than what it showed on Saturday, and you know, hopefully they move towards that. I, I I think there's a lot to a lot to be excited about, a lot to play for. But Ty, what are your, what's your final point? Yeah, so real quick, I we weren't going to do them. I have a game ball. Uh, special recognition: Jaleel Farouk had an absolute game, uh, mm-hmm. and is really showing the depth of our receiver room uh, and in efforts. I I think a lot of people maybe might be upset sort of at, at Mims performance. He had a good stat line performance, but uh, he was in a lot of situations where he was sort of forced the ball when he didn't need to be. Um, Theo Weiss, similar. I think he had a, a drop that was maybe on him. And then obviously Stoops was, was missed on the targets that he had, but Jalil Farouk had a, a really, really good game with some big boy NFL level catches in traffic in you know, situations where he probably shouldn't be thrown the ball 
and and made the catch that I think is worthy of. I, I'm not trying to compel you guys to to do game balls. We can continue to move on, but I, I think special recognition to him because he's one of the guys. Like I said at the start of of the episode, uh, we had a lot of very very solid individual performances uh, for sure. So I, I wanted mm-hmm. to mention uh, in closing, and then I wanted to echo that same sentiment. I I don't think that this is obviously losses hurt, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, objectively, I'm not trying to, to compensate or hedge, but objectively, this is a rebuilding year for OU. We all knew that. Uh, and it, it has not knocked us out of contention for anything. This is not a, a loss that's going to hurt recruiting severely. It's not a loss that is maybe even going to hurt our chances of, of making it to or winning a conference championship. Uh, and, and you know, K-State is a, a well-coached, good-performing team. And, uh, you know, this is maybe not a quality loss. If, if you can make that, I don't think quality losses exist at all. They certainly don't exist in the big 12. Uh, but it, this is not as, this is not a bad, bad loss. It, it would have been much worse if we lost to one of our previous opponents. Uh, and, and I think people will recognize that, which is good, uh, nationally. And I, I think there is nowhere to go, but up from here, uh, certainly with this team. So I, I don't think anyone that's, that's super, super upset, obviously it hurts, but uh, I, I wouldn't be too upset. I, I don't know that this necessarily really hurts us in, in any tangible way besides a, a one and in, in the win loss column. Yeah. On the loss. I, I don't think it stops any momentum at all. I, I'm absolutely with you. I think it's um, a lot of, I, I, I think it obviously stings. It sucks, but um, no reason to fire Venables or, or like burn the house down. I think we're going to be okay. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, be- before we end this, I-, I did promise I was going to give a shout out to a loyal listener of ours, Jamie. So thanks for listening. I saw her on Saturday and she's she's a loyal listener. So I said I was going to give her a shout out on the pod. So shout out to Jamie. There you go. Shout out, Jamie. Loved it. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Well, folks, we have uh, some fun episodes coming down the pipe this week. Still, we got a TCU preview with Bowden Blake. We uh, hey, Jameson. We might have a Cruden corner little, little right after this. Coming up here. We, we right are after coming this. right after this. So if y'all are listening yeah. live, we're going to send out a new link here in a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about um, this new David Hicks announcement update coming this week and then talk a little bit about does this loss change anything with our chances with Peyton Bowen uh, and, moving and forward? You know what, guys? If you want to tune in, guys and girls, everyone listening, you want to tune in we got some crazy stuff developing in the recruiting world i don't think he was planning on talking about it but i'm compelling him to speak about it we have a recruit who is uh in legal trouble of no fault of his own and stranded he's Little from shop. georgia stranded out in california now with his plushy toy that we have discussed on the pod little chop crazy crazy situation nil gone bad at the high school level i didn't even know that was a thing yeah, uh, that that Jameson is now compelled to talk about on. We'll talk the about Little Chop. Uh, so he's going Cunningham. to have to discuss T.A. Yeah. Cunningham stranded in California. We all know that's the worst possible place to be. <laughs> uh, period. Besides Austin, Texas, which fun fact is actually in California. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, so yeah, tune in to the Cruton Corner for that. And shout out to DraftKings, our sponsors, and Raycon headphones. They hit it first in the headphone game. Oh, God. uh, (laughs) All right, folks. (laughs) Thank y'all. That's why. All right, folks. Thank y'all so much for listening. Um, Oh, and by the way, if you're listening back on your podcast, uh, you know, feeds, listening to this uh, not live, 
and you know, like, you're like, hey, there's my recruiting episode. What the heck? Check it out. It'll come in tomorrow, or you can check it out on YouTube a day early. So uh, definitely check that out. So yeah, for me, yeah, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. We will see you soon to talk about recruiting. Have a good one, everyone. Boomer Sooner. Raycon headphones. Listen to Kanye music. Pete Davidson's.